0: Friend, let's be real. Have you ever wondered why Jesus called the 12 disciples? Like, what made them special? Why those guys? How about reading through scripture and seeing that there is an unforgivable sin? Do you ever feel that you've committed it and felt the fear and shame of not knowing if you're really saved? Last question. Do you feel lonely? Your family and friends might be there, but you still feel this emptiness of, well, life. If you identify with any of these, I'm so glad you tuned in, because we're going to work through Mark 3, verses 13 through 35, where we learn that bold is trusting Jesus, even in strange circumstances. You are listening to Bold Is, a ministry podcast training women how to handle the Word of God. Buckle up, sis. It's about to get real. Here's your host, Megan Rawling. I will never forget the day that I was on the bus in fourth grade. One of the girls I sat near told me that if I ever said that the Holy Spirit did not exist or even thought it, I was definitely going to hell because that was the unforgivable sin. Talk about (laughs) gut-wrenching. Not something you want to hear as a kid. I mean, she meant well. She was passionate and excited about something that she had learned. But that's the problem with poor exegesis. That's not what that verse means. And if you've ever thought this, don't worry, because in this podcast, we're going to clear all of that up. Here on the Bold Is podcast, I like to read the passage together in one setting and then break it down verse by verse. If you're interested in following along with me, I am reading from the New Living Translation today. This is Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 35. Afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him, and they came to him. Then he appointed twelve of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. These are the twelve he chose. Simon, whom he named Peter, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, but Jesus nicknamed them Sons of Thunder. Um, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas... James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. One time, Jesus entered a house and the crowds began to gather again. Soon, he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. But the teachers of religious law, who had arrived from Jerusalem, said he's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. That's where he got his powers to cast out demons. Jesus called them over and responded with an illustration. How can Satan cast out Satan? He asked. A kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. Similarly, a family splintering by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is divided and fights against himself, how can he stand? He would never survive. Let me illustrate this further. Who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? only someone even stronger, someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. I tell you the truth, all sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequences. He told them this because they were saying he's possessed by an evil spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus and someone said, Your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, Look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Whew, okay. (laughs) Let's try to break this down. We're going to start in verses 13 through 19. So let's read those just to kind of recap really quick. Afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him, and they came to him. Now, guys, remember, there are tons of people around, but um, a lot of scholars think that this was specifically just the 12 disciples. Then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. These are the 12 he chose. Simon, whom he named Peter. James and John, the sons of Zebedee. But Jesus nicknamed them sons of thunder: Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Jesus calls 12 men to follow him, and the number 12 has a purpose. This is not a random number, this is a redemptive historical significance to it, according to William Lane. These 12 men represent the 12 tribes of Israel. God's chosen people originally came from, you got it, the 12 tribes of Israel, and is continued through the work of Christ and his 12 disciples. Their job was to do ministry with him and after him, which is still the mission for his followers today. Don't forget about the Great Commission in Matthew. Here's something that is super interesting. The promise that is given to these 12 men, and now to us, is that they share in the power of the kingdom, that we now have access to through means of Christ. I know that the names of the disciples are broken down here, but I want to revisit this at another time. Each disciple is a very interesting in the way he was recruited to follow Jesus, the ministry he did with Jesus, and what their lives were like after Jesus ascended into heaven. All of them um, were martyred. All of them, <laughs> martyred. They died as martyrs, except for John and Judas Iscariot. Judas um, committed suicide. And John died of old age. But he was, you know, boiled alive. He was sent out to, or he was boiled, not alive. Oh, he was alive, yeah. And he was sent out to um, a deserted island. Um, So it's not like they had easy lives. And um, we hope to complete an informational packet on this one day. But for now, let's keep moving forward with the rest of chapter 3 in Mark. One time Jesus entered a house. Oh, this is verse 20 and 21, by the way. One time, Jesus entered a house, and the crowds began to gather again. Soon, he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. When his disciples heard what was happening, they tried to make him away, take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. Fun fact, Mark is the only gospel to report this incident. And basically what he's saying is are the crowds were so large that Jesus was not even able to eat. And it's kind of funny, um, in Greek class, I was learning... Um, this passage. And when it was talking about Jesus eating, it says that he couldn't even eat his own bread. And I thought that was kind of clever. It adds a little bit of extra um, to it. And his family, and they state that he's out of his mind. And this probably happened because he was claiming to be God. And a lot of people were just super opposed to that, obviously. Um, Let's look at verse 22. We're flying through, aren't we? But the teachers of religious law who had arrived from Jerusalem said, he's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. That's where he gets the power to cast out demons. Okay, listen to this. The late Bible scholar William Lane said, which you guys know I'm a huge fan of William Lane's smart commentary, the arrival of a delegation of legal specialists from Jerusalem suggests that the Galilean mission of Jesus had attracted the critical attention of the Sanhedrin. The scribes know that Jesus had a considerable following and that he possessed the power to expel demons. It is possible that they were official um, emissaries from the great Sanhedrin who came to examine Jesus' miracles and to determine whether Capernaum should be declared a seduced city, the prey of an apostate preacher. And basically that means someone who's trying to lead people astray. Such a declaration required a thorough investigation made on the spot by official envoys in order to determine the extent of the defection and to distinguish between the instigators, the apostates, and the innocent. I just thought that was absolutely fascinating. So here, let's go on to 23, verse 23 through 27. Jesus called them over and responded with an illustration. How can Satan cast out Satan, he asked. A kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. Similarly, a family splintering by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is divided and fights against himself, how can he stand? He would never survive. Let me illustrate this further. Who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger. Someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. I love that passage. This is Jesus using logic and reason that somehow escaped the brains of those around him. They're accusing him of being Satan. And he's simply saying, guys, it doesn't even make sense. Why would Satan cast out Satan? Why would he destroy his own realm? Think about it. Jesus is being so simple and pure and true. And this is the typical Jesus fashion. Let's move on to verse 28 through 30. I tell you the truth, all sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequences. He told them this because they were saying he's possessed by an evil spirit. Okay, first of all, we must remember to keep this in context. Remember, first of all, who Jesus is surrounded by, legal specialist, and remember what they just accused Jesus of doing being Satan, casting out Satan, as Satan. They're giving demons and Satan credit for the Holy Spirit's work. They are not accepting that salvation is through Jesus. And this, my friends, is what he means when he says, blasphemes the Holy Spirit. He's talking about these Jewish men who were giving credit to Satan and the demons. All right, ladies, let's wrap this up. Verses 31 through 35. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, Your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, Look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus took this interruption and made it a teaching moment. He is expressing his sincerity to the crowd by calling those around him his family. If you believe, welcome to the family. Okay, guys, that was a lot of information and in a little bit of time. And we kind of um, zoomed through everything. So the question remains, what does all this mean for us today? If there's one point that I want you to take away, it's this. The only unforgivable sin is not accepting the grace of Jesus. When he died on the cross, he said, It is finished. There is nothing you can do that will make him not love you. Let that sink in. Ladies, there is nothing, not one thing that you can do that could ever stop the grace and love of Jesus Christ. It's been so much fun finishing up Mark chapter 3. Tune in next week as we begin chapter 4. And if you don't mind, leave us a rating and review and we would be so very grateful. All right, women, go out and be bold.